We really feel that kids are most suggestive and we have the best opportunity to teach them about healthy choices when they're in middle school. Welcome to the podcast series, Rain Insights on Security with Brian Lynch. Today, Brian is talking with Chairman and CEO at the DEA Educational Foundation, Bill Alden. The DEA Educational Foundation travels around the country supporting schools and local agencies in keeping children aware of the many choices they have that don't include illicit drugs. So today we have William F. Alden, Chairman, Board of Directors of the DEA Educational Foundation with us, who is uh, based out of Washington, D.C. It is great to have you on the podcast today, Bill. It's wonderful to be here. Why don't we start with telling our listeners, what is the DEA Educational Foundation? That's, that's really a great place to start, Brian. The DEA Educational Foundation, we are a not-for-profit 501c3 foundation that was started back in the spring of 2000. It was started as the DEA AFNA which stands for the Association of Former Federal Narcotic Agents, DEA Museum Foundation, because at that particular time, uh, our primary mission was to support the DEA Museum at headquarters and ultimately uh, a traveling exhibit that we created with DEA. So obviously from the time that it was formed, as you noted, in the spring of 2000. It, it has certainly changed uh, over the years. And uh, can you give our listeners a little bit of, of that change and why it changed, a little history there? You know, our mission morphed as time went on, and it became clear that the name of the foundation was not appropriate to the mission that we, we were performing. So uh, several years later, after... Uh, the uh, final uh, institution of the foundation, um, we had a name change to the DEA Educational Foundation, which more appropriately fit the mission that we were, that morphed into a foundation whose mission is to educate the American public and to do that by various programs and activities that we were able to perform. That morphing, uh, what was the genesis for that change? Really, the thing that, that made us rethink what we were all about was the addition of our after-school dance program, uh, the DEA Educational Foundation after-school dance program, which is taught by professional dance instructors around the country. And then it was time for us to rename the organization and to uh, tweak our mission statement. We still have a partnership with the Drug Enforcement Administration, which is absolutely critical to what we're trying to accomplish. Uh, And we still support the DEA Museum at DEA headquarters and the traveling exhibit, uh, which is currently on hiatus because of uh, the pandemic. Uh, But additionally, we have after-school programming, and we've even expanded our after-school programming. As time went on, we began to understand that we became 
very expertise in developing and delivering after-school program. We uh, had a, an effective infrastructure that was developed, a process. Uh, we had a reputation uh, amongst the school systems in the United States where we had worked primarily with the DEA Educational Foundation After School Dance Program. And ultimately, we decided as a foundation that uh, we developed an expertise in after school programming, and it was thus time for us to begin to expand it. At that particular time, we were thinking about martial arts. And since that time, we've expanded our after school programming in the cities to uh, the after school dance program that continues and flourishes, after school martial arts, after school baseball, after school soccer, and several other programs that have been designed specifically at the request of a DEA office in a locale. We have, we, we have one program that we work with in the Washington Field Division called Hooked on Fishing, which is taking children uh, and exposing them to the whole idea about fishing and about boating. And we have a series of volunteers that, that assist us with that, including current DEA agents, former DEA agents, and other law enforcement officials. You know, the bottom line here and, and the mission of, of, of the foundation is, is to really to help kids, right? And, and it's to uh, have that interface with, with the kids at, a, at, a, at, a, at an appropriate age that, uh, that allows them to understand uh, their choices in life. Can you talk a little bit about that and how the foundation helps? Yeah, exactly. Our goal is to reach as many youth that, that potentially could fall into the use of illicit drugs. It's all about making healthy choices, we believe. And we believe that our after-school programming even though it doesn't often preach about substance abuse in particular, the kids are able to pick up on the message of no drug use and making healthy and productive choices. Because that's, that's really what it's all about, trying to convey to them that there are opportunities that will be deprived if if they choose the wrong path yeah that 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 sounds great and and uh it's critically important to get before those kids uh and and provide them the choices that you talked about what age groups are we talking about primarily here bill we try to focus in at the middle school level we're not opposed to uh working at the ele- at, at at a higher elementary grade level or even an early high school level. But we really feel that kids are most suggestive and we have the best opportunity to teach them about healthy choices when they're in middle school. And what we would like to do optimistically is we would like to follow them through high school with additional programming. So this is really a partnership between 
the uh, experts that you noted, the schools to the particular DEA office, and providing these programs uh, to kids as a choice. How does that logistically happen uh, in, in a school, for instance? Say there's a listener that is uh, that has some kids uh, in school. There's a, maybe a school administrator listening. How does that? How does that happen? Yeah, that that's a very that's a really good question, Brian. Um, we maintain a list. We we can't unfortunately be everywhere. We are in about 50 cities across the United States, and in our programming, there is absolutely no cost to the school, to the community, to the parents, or to the kids. So um, the foundation absorbs the entire cost of putting on an after-school program, whether it's a dance program or it's martial arts or after-school baseball or soccer. So uh, it, it's incumbent upon the foundation to raise the kind of funds that are necessary for us to provide uh, free programming. So as a result, because we've had such success nationwide, there is a list of schools that would like for us to come in to work with them on after-school programming. Uh, a lot is determined by funding, obviously. Fortunately, we've been a very successful partner and contractor for the DEA offices under Operation Engage. As you know, Brian, the federal government likes to come up with acronyms. Everything has an acronym. Operation Engage is continuation of DEA 360, which was a strategy that was devised because of the opioid epidemic across the nation and the harm that it was doing in the communities. The difference is in Operation Engage, each of the field divisions is provided with a choice and, and funding levels uh, that they are provided by DEA headquarters. Uh, that, that's what's kind of unique about Operation Engage is the choice is made by the local field division and the local field division or office of DEA is able to determine the kind of programming that they think will fit their community and the needs that they have. The leadership is provided by uh, DEA headquarters. It, it gets uh, delegated to the field divisions. And then, uh, we, you know, what I like about it is the field divisions can then set uh, the, uh, the choices that make sense and the schools that are at most at risk, if, if that's the right term, uh, with, their, with their kids. Uh, and, I, and I think that's what, that's what makes the success of this foundation well, let me let me ask you this: Your vision going forward, uh, your planning for the next, say, two to five years. What what do you envision uh, the foundation going to, Bill? In 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 your own assessment, you know that that's that's another interesting question, Brian. Um, uh, several years ago, when we were primarily supporting the traveling exhibit that DEA and the foundation devised. And when we were continuing to support the, the permanent museum at DEA headquarters, 
it was fairly clear to me and to the board that the future of the foundation was delivering programs and after-school programs to to the communities uh, that were in need. I have a have a very active and supportive board of directors. They're all volunteers. The foundation is fortunate to have several influential and wealthy board members, as well as all the former DEA administrators are ex officio members of the foundation. So uh, the advice that we get is fairly substantial and supported by the financial wherewithals of the foundation. Each year we have a couple of annual or semi-annual fundraisers. Uh, we've had to turn to virtual fundraisers in the last year. Uh, we did a fundraiser last October around country music, and we did one about two months ago uh, involving Broadway stars. Each of the virtual fundraisers that we put together were extremely successful. They raised significant money uh, as well as expanded our outreach. That's the really important thing for us is expanding our outreach. We, we have made a decision. The DEA Educational Foundation is between a mom and pop foundation and a major foundation like uh, United Way or something similar to that or, or the Red Cross. Uh, and, and, and it's by choice in part because of the importance of the mission that we have, making sure that we have the supporters lined up that we need to have, particularly in light of what's occurring today across the United States in various states. Uh, one of the board members said to me recently, he said, you know, it's a lot easier to raise money for cancer than it is for drugs. And he says, there's a lot of reasons for that, but there's a significant difference between uh, raising money for an illness and raising money for what people assume are, are, are bad choice. And that's not always the case, particularly when it comes to the opioid epidemic, because the majority of people who suffer the consequences of opioid addiction often start with prescription from their doctor, uh, unlike illicit drugs. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a very complicated issue. It's, it's something that has to be worked on continually. Uh, it's not, there, there are no silver bullets. There's no magic formula. Problem is, is that prevention and training oftentimes are the first to go when, when the budgets become lean. That's point well taken, Bill. For the businesses and the business leaders that are listening, and as you know, we have a, a number of our listeners in all walks of life. You know, businesses today are, are being asked to get engaged a little bit more uh, in the environmental and social uh, aspects of society. So if I'm a business executive and I'm listening to this 
presentation and this podcast. What can I do to get involved? I may choose to be involved with your educational foundation. What what can businesses do, Bill? The primary uh, thing that a CEO or the leader of a business can do is to educate its workforce. And we'd be more than happy to work with uh, uh, any any of the businesses uh, and provide the kind of support that they may need when it comes to workplace substance abuse, because it, it clearly impacts on all of us. Uh, workplace substance abuse costs all of us in terms of absenteeism, lost productivity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so uh, we've had a program here at the DEA Educational Foundation where we'll provide speakers uh, who will explain the opioid and other situations and try to work with, with the corporate leaders to provide answers to uh, how they can reduce uh, substance use by their employees. So uh, a, a great question. You've talked about the, the foundation's efforts with kids in middle school and, and maybe the high end of elementary school. You've talked about the training that you can provide relative to opioid uh, addiction. And then you also uh, uh, talked about how businesses can, can engage with you and partner with you to help their workforce. Let me ask you a question around operation prevention. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, operation prevention really points out or portrays the role that the DEA Educational Foundation can provide. Um, I I threw a, a friend of mine uh, in Baltimore I, I was able to meet with some of the hierarchy of the Discovery Education uh, channel and uh, network. They proposed doing several things. I thought it was a real opportunity for DEA to become engaged. I subsequently made an introduction uh, of the Discovery Education folks to to Sean Ferns, who was the director of uh, community outreach for DEA, who then took it up the chain. And actually, I, I can remember a meeting I participated in with DEA headquarters because they were in the process of putting together a strategy that they thought would work and a contract with Discovery Education to help them perform the, uh, the the various prevention initiatives that uh, that they had talked about uh, out of out of that meeting came uh, a relationship with with discovery education and that was nicknamed operation prevention operation prevention is a curriculum that was devised by discovery education with the help of DEA that is free of charge provided free of charge to schools across the nation that are part of the discovery education uh, infrastructure. Their infrastructure reaches, I, I remembered, I used to remember exactly how many schools they reach, but I think they reach about 50, over, I know they reach over 50% of the schools in the United States with digital curriculum. 
So they created a digital curriculum on opioid addiction for DEA. They also uh, worked with DEA to put together uh, some virtual field trips that were taken by some of the students uh, in some of the schools across the United States. Where we got involved with operation prevention, we did a, uh, a what we called a video contest and we put it out to all the schools on the on the Discovery Education Network that uh, we were looking for public service announcements, PSAs, and and that we would award ten thousand to the winner, five thousand to second place, and I think twenty five hundred to third place. We did that for several years and. Some of the results of the PSAs are mind-boggling. They're absolutely mind-boggling. Uh, the originality and the creativity that these kids can come up with. Uh, we're, we're, we're still uh, involved with operation prevention in terms of, of, of the video challenge uh, and, uh, and hoping that it will continue for many years. Now, that sounds great, Bill. And... You mentioned the PSAs. Are are they uh, typically presented by kids? Uh, how, how do they get uh, formulated for the uh, for, for the uh, target audience? Yeah, the criteria for the uh, the video challenge is they have to be created by students at, at the particular school for the students. Yeah, that that's great. That's critically important that the message is delivered by the students as you have designed that and your foundation has designed that. Before we uh, get to the uh, last question, uh, uh, Bill, uh, can you give the folks um, your website and contact information to the foundation in case they were interested? Our website is is deaeducationalfoundation.org. And that's deaeducationalfoundation.org. Thanks. I appreciate you you providing that. And and the last area, just to uh, tee up, and you and I have talked about this, Bill, over the last several months, about how important it is to continue to be in the lives of children that are at risk so that they understand that there are choices and they don't have to be uh, choice. There's just not one choice. There are many choices in life. And uh, it's critically important that that the information that you provide in your foundation that gets to kids, it's so important. And there are other options. Absolutely. That's our clear message. We are we are really a drug agnostic foundation. We believe that all illicit drugs are illicit for a very good reason. And that is because they're unhealthy and they, they potentially will will create harm to the individual. So uh, it's important uh, to provide kids in particular with alternatives uh, and, and provide them with the skills to make healthy choices and to make decisions that are going to be good for them in the long run. Absolutely. And and the final point, uh, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about this. The decriminalization of marijuana, there, which, which has uh, uh, been passed in certain states, what, what's the foundation's position on that, Bill? 
That is an interesting question, Brian, and one that that I get personally all the time, primarily because I was a former DEA agent. Our focus is on kids, and we think that marijuana is harmful to kids and a bad, bad, bad choice. Unfortunately, we can't establish the fact that it's a gateway drug. There's been a lot of discussion, particularly in the states that have passed recreational use. There was been, there's been a lot of talk by proponents that it's not a gateway drug. However, experience teaches us, those of us in the field, that every heroin addict that we spoke with began their drug path smoking marijuana. The other thing that's really important is if the science says there is a medical use for marijuana, all of us in the field are in favor of using it if there is a scientific basis for it. Unfortunately, most of the marijuana legalization movements in the states have come by the voters. There is currently no science that supports medical marijuana or the legalization of recreational marijuana. The problem that occurs oftentimes is that states that legalize marijuana use try to create all kinds of regulations and prohibitions. Whenever that's created, there's a black market that pops up. And often in in some states that have legalized recreational besides medical marijuana, the registration process is costly. Uh, the, The dispensaries complain that they're up against the black market. The black market which is which are the traffickers that DEA still works on today. The traffickers have utilized the legalization process as a way to cultivate marijuana. It has been a real problem for states that have contiguous borders with, with the states that have legalized marijuana. There are about 36 states in, in the United States today that have legalize either medical marijuana or full-blown recreational use. If you're a business leader on the call and you have employees and you have, you're in a state that allows recreational use and you don't drug test post-onboarding, this can affect businesses and efficiency and effectiveness and performance. That's what we're beginning to see across the board the uh, uh, difficulty that marijuana smokers create for the workplace, particularly if they use it two or three times a week. Yes, this is a message that needs to continue to be heard. It's something that uh, I think counterbalances what we see uh, on the news and in uh, reporting. Uh, The message at the foundation, in my view, is, is critical to balancing that process of what do I do relative to drug use? What are my choices? I don't have to uh, go down the path of of drug use. Uh, And I can tell you, you know, under your continued leadership and vision, the foundation will continue to put this work forward. 
And, and Bill, I really appreciate your time today on the podcast. No, I, it, it's, been a, it's been a real pleasure, Brian. I just hope that we're able to uh, help a few people. Bill Alden is chairman and CEO at the DEA Educational Foundation. Individuals and organizations turn to RAIN for risk intelligence that cuts through the hype to focus on what they need to know, what to expect, and what to do. Subscribe to RAIN's core membership and get our daily Risk Book Digest weekly intelligence briefs on cyber, geopolitical, and financial risk, breaking alerts on important risk developments, and so much more. Find out how RAIN can power your business to success at RAINNetwork.com. That's R-A-N-E Network.com. Come.